Come on, let's give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, if any of you are truly here to give God worship and to give God praise. Come on, just for a little second, let's give him some glory and let's give him some honor. God, we worship you and we thank you and we ask you just to accept us for who we are right now, God. Accept us for who we are right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, Refuge family, how you doing today? Uh, to some of you, this may be a surprise. Uh, to others, it's not. Uh, Pastor did announce uh, that I would be preaching this Sunday, and uh, I thoroughly hope uh, that the Lord would speak to you today. Uh, but we're going to go to 2 Chronicles 7. Again, 2 Chronicles 7. That's Old Testament. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. And I promise I'm going to try my best to keep this short. My goal is to keep it less than 30 minutes. Somebody say amen. Less than 30 minutes. Amen. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 7. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> if you could stand with me at this time, I'm sorry. We still want to honor the word of God, uh, whether we're in church or whether we be at our homes. Uh, we take our example from Ezra, uh, as Ezra would have the people to stand uh, when he read the word of God. So if you are in your homes right now, wherever you may be, if you're able to just stand for the presence and the reading of God. Again, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Could you imagine God's presence being so heavy that the priest couldn't even go into the house of the Lord to minister? Hallelujah. And it says, and when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, it says they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and they worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. 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 Uh, I'm going to do something a little different today. Uh, usually I like to break down the scripture uh, that I'm reading uh, just to digest it a little bit. But today, uh, I'm going to preach and lead us up uh, to what happened that God would bring his presence in and fill the temple so that the priests were unable to go in. And so <clears throat> I want you to pray with me right now uh, that God, he would help me uh, and that our hearts would be open to receive what God has for us today. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again uh, that we are able to gather together, Lord God, in our homes or wherever we may be uh, through digital, advice, uh, digital devices and through technology. Father, I pray that even right now, Lord God, that you will allow your voice to go and enter into the hearts of the uh, listeners that are listening to this right now. I pray that your word would not come back void, but God, that you would anoint our ears to hear and anoint our hearts to understand that we may receive your word, God, with a pure heart. Allow us to receive it with a pure heart. I pray, Lord God, that I would truly be an oracle that would speak your word in your word only, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we all say amen amen come on i want you to uh first i want you to take your seats 
Amen. Take your seats. <clears throat> Listen, how many of you know that food is important? Yeah, food is important. Uh, I had a friend that invited me over uh, for for a, a gathering this past weekend. Uh, he sent me a text message and he said, let's get together this weekend. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. You know, let's get together means, you know, that could mean we sh can do a Bible study uh, or, or we can be eating for food or, you know, maybe just wanted to talk about some serious things. Uh, but he said, let's get together this weekend. And so I sent back a question, what should I bring? I knew that when he responded to what should I bring, I knew it was going to answer what type of fellowship uh, that we were going to be having. If he would have said, bring a Bible or just bring yourself, I knew that it would have been more of a Bible study or us just talking about some things. Uh, but instead, he said, I want you to bring a dessert. And so I was so glad and so was my wife uh, when he said that because I knew that food was going to be involved. And so uh, we went over there and we had a wonderful time. Uh, and we ate some barbecue, uh, bless them. Uh, but food is a great of, of great importance um, to mankind. Uh, when this COVID-19 first started, does any of you remember, do any of you remember what the shelves at the grocery stores look like? I mean, the, the store that I shop at, it was the first time that I've seen in my life that the meat section was empty. I mean, I was highly upset uh, as I was one, and I apologize, as I was one who uh, uh, didn't take it very seriously from the beginning. I didn't go out and buy tissue and buy all kinds of food, but whenever I ran out of food, uh, that's when I went to the grocery store. But, but it let me know that food is of great importance, that when people think they're getting ready to die, or we're getting ready to go through a famine, food is number one. Uh, food is at the top of the list. Uh, but the store, again, they were struggling to keep up with the demand that the customers had demanded. And so, again, uh, food is, is so awesome um, to mankind. I was so thrilled uh, after COVID-19 had started in the, in the schools, um, had stopped allowing the kids to come. I was thrilled when restaurants would open their doors and allow families to come and eat for free uh, during the lunch hours. Why? Because they understood the importance of food. I mean, my children, your children, when they wake up in the morning, what's the first thing they want? They probably want food. I'm telling you, in the Walker household, the refrigerator probably opens every hour on the hour. Why? Because food is important. But what I like about food is, is that it's a great motivator to gather people together. I mean, a birthday party. If I take my kids to a birthday party, listen, if it's no cake and ice cream, they're going to be highly upset. Again, what is food? Uh, uh, what about holidays? If we don't have food on holidays, uh, would the holidays, would you be looking forward to attending that Thanksgiving event? Would you be looking forward uh, to attending uh, that 4th of July event? I mean, we need food for holidays. I, I mean, even Pastor Brown, I remember uh, when he had told me one time that anytime the church would have dinner after service, it seemed like the attendance would spike. Why? Because food, it has some type of uh, psychological uh, uh, benefit 
uh, or effect uh, to our bodies. And listen, I can't see who's watching this right now, but I guarantee it. And you can maybe text me or uh, uh, let me know later. I guarantee that there is somebody that has a fork or a spoon in their mouth right now while they're watching me preach the word of God. Why? Because food is of great importance. I think we can all agree that food, it plays a major role in the culture that we live in today. Not only our culture, but also the cultures of past uh, generations. Food has always been a part of culture. Uh, while they may not be the same in some cultures, they like jasmine rice. In my culture, we like regular rice. Uh, over in Hawaii, I was told that their main meat source is pork. While over here, I, I primarily eat beef and chicken. There are some people uh, whose diets are, uh, they just consist basically of vegetables or a majority of vegetables. While there are other individuals, their diets uh, are consistent more of meat. And listen, we may not eat the same foods they eat and we may not eat the same way they eat. But there's if there's one thing we we have in common, whether it be past or present, and it's that all cultures involve food. And I believe that God, that he created us this way on purpose. Why did God create this, this? Why did he create us this way? When we read the Old Testament, we discover that at specifically seven different times of the year, God wanted to assemble his people together. He wanted to gather his people, the children of Israel together, that they would celebrate and that they would honor him. Now, the question that I present to you is, how do you gather thousands and thousands and thousands of people together who traveling from all over the place seven times a year? It seems like a hard task. But God, he knew that when he created us, there's one thing that we all have in common and there's one thing that we rejoice about and that is food. And so these seven times that these people would gather together every year, they were known as the seven uh, Jewish feast. When he would gather them together, they would have feast uh, for a whole week. And you tell people that they're going to get to eat for a whole week uh, with all their relatives. Listen, I'm telling you, that is a good motivator uh, for people to gather together. Again, there were seven Jewish feasts and the children of God, they didn't know it at the time, but all seven of these Jewish feasts, they point to Jesus Christ in some form or fashion. But of the seven, I want to talk about three of them. I want to talk about just three, excuse me, because it was these three feasts that were mandatory. God had mandated that every man that was a child of God would attend these three feasts every single year. It was of the most importance that they would not uh, skip these feasts. I don't care how much work they had to do. I don't know what they had going on at home, but God said that there is no excuse to miss these three feasts. And those three feasts are number one, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Number two is the Feast of Weeks. And number three is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what I want to do is I want to talk about these three feasts, and we're going to spend some time on the third one. But the first feast um, that was required by all men uh, in the Old Testament was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, this was a feast that was uh, represented and it was celebrated on the 15th day of their first month. 
again, we have to be reminded that their month uh, don't line up with our months. Their first month is not January, but more so it would be uh, mid-March uh, through mid-April. And so on the first month and the 15th day, they would begin to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it would last seven whole days. And during this seven days, they would have to give an offering unto God every single day. For seven straight days, they would give offerings to God. But one of the things that stand out was the bread that they ate for these seven days. It was unleavened bread. It was bread that didn't have leaven in it at all. And so the purpose of them celebrating this feast was to remind them that God had freed them uh, from bondage out of Egypt. He had freed their ancestors and they no longer were in bondage. bondage. But when he had freed them, he had told them to put blood on their doorpost and and he they had to kill and they had to eat an innocent lamb a lamb that had did absolutely nothing to them uh while also not eating the leavened bread and because we find out in the bible that leaven it represents sin but how that relates today and how that looks forward to Jesus Christ and they not even knowing it uh we find in John chapter 1 and 29 uh where it says uh the next day John, he seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That same lamb that they had eaten and had killed and put the blood upon the doorpost, Jesus represented that to the world. It's that blood that allows us to be saved, that, that God does not destroy us, and that we get to spend eternity in hell. Also, the bread of life, um, is Jesus Christ, that bread that they would eat uh, with no leaven is that same bread that when we decide to eat uh, and get involved with Jesus Christ, uh, he fills us and he gives us life. And so again, the first feast was the feast of unleavened bread. But the second feast, and it's not talked about much often, is the feast of weeks. The feast of weeks uh, was a festival or a celebration uh, that happened seven full weeks uh, after the Feast of First Fruits, which was not required. But what makes the Feast of Weeks so significant to us is that while uh, the disciples were celebrating the Feast of Weeks, the Bible says that they were in the upper room and the Holy Ghost had fell. And for the first time in history, God had filled his people with his spirit. Old Testament, it speaks about the Spirit of God being upon them, but in the New Testament, it says that the Spirit of God is in us. It is in us. And so it was during the Feast of Weeks that the Holy Ghost had fell and the church was born. And I'm so glad that that church was born and that I have a place to call church uh, in the form of the Refuge Church. Amen. But last and very quickly, because I do not want to be long, is the Feast of of tabernacles and this is where I want to spend my time today the feast of tabernacles this was by far the most popular feast uh, because it was a feast right after the harvest they knew they were going to get to rest and so they would harvest their food and then they would rejoice and celebrate the feast of tabernacles uh, this happened <clears throat> in their seventh month on the 15th day and just like the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it lasted seven days and they were required to give an offering each and every day 
while they celebrate it. But what stands out about this feast is that during this feast that they had to uh, create temporary booths, temporary tabernacles. They couldn't live in their own homes, but they had to go to the hills and take branches and, and build little houses out of the branches, and they would live in these houses for seven whole days while they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And what the purpose was of this feast was it was to remind them of how their ancestors lived uh, uh, in the wilderness for those 40 years. Now, in those 40 years, they didn't build houses for themselves, but they lived in tabernacles. They lived in tents. and They, they lived in, in, in meager uh, uh, building. Uh, if you could say that, made with branches and uh, uh, made with thin wood. And God wanted to remind them, like when the rain would come down and they would be in their little booths and water would be coming through because of the branches, it made them thankful for the house that they were living in. I don't care what type of house they were living in, whether it was a mansion or whether it was a studio apartment. See, they might have complained at first, but when God made them live in these booths for seven days and he made them celebrate this every single year for seven days, it made them thankful for their living conditions because the way they were living, regardless of how they were living, it was better than how the children of Israel lived in the wilderness. Come on, I want you to look back. I want you to look at your situation right now. And I want you to ask yourself, if you had to go and build yourself a booth or build yourself a tent, listen, would that make you thankful for where you're living right now? I know some of us may be complaining and we're not happy with where God or where we ourselves have placed ourselves, but God, he wants us to rejoice. He wants us to give thanks. And this was a way that God always kept thanksgiving in their hearts by making them go live outside in these tents. And when they went back into their homes, they were glad. They rejoiced because they didn't get rained on. Hallelujah. And so God, he did this to remind them that they needed to be totally dependent. I mean, totally dependent upon God, just like the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Listen, God, he provided their clothes and their clothes did not wear out. He provided food for them. He provided protection for them. Everything about the season in wilderness was God's protection. It was God's provision. It was a time where the children of God were totally dependent upon God. And when they lived in those little tents and booths, they were to be reminded, I need to depend on God. But you may ask yourself, well, how does this represent Christ? How does living in tents temporarily represent Christ? I want to tell you because our God, our God that sits on a throne in heaven, when our ancestors, the people of the Bible, when they kept uh, sinning and offering sacrifices and sinning and offering sacrifices, God says that they're not doing what I wanted them to do, but they're just following the ritual. But instead, what I'll do is I'll leave the comfort of my home and I'll place myself in, if I can call it this, a body, a tabernacle of a body. I'll place myself, leave my home, and I'll temporarily go to the earth for 33 years. And I'll save my people. I'll become the Lamb of God 
And they'll kill an innocent man not knowing that it's a God inside of that body. And they'll kill me. But because of that, I'll become the savior of the world. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles represent. And God, he had them, he had them celebrate this feast each and every year. Each and every year, they had to celebrate this. But I found there were three verses uh, three things that I found in the Bible that happened during a time uh, where God's children were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. One, we find in John chapter 7, uh, in verse 37, it says that in the last day, the great day of the feast. What feast is this? This is the Feast of the Tabernacles. It said that Jesus, he stood and cried, saying, If, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That famous verse, Jesus, he spoke it at the Feast of Tabernacles. We find in Ezra chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it says, They keep also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offer the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom as the duty of, of every day required. And afterward, they offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of the of the set feast of the Lord that were consecrated and of everyone that willingly offered a freewill offering unto the Lord. It says from the first day to the seventh, I'm sorry, from the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. And so this is a verse that speaks about when the children of Israel, again, they were in bondage at this time and God had laid it upon the heart of the king to let them go, to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple. And when they got back to Jerusalem, Ezra, who was the priest, he was reading the law and they found out that at that time that they were supposed to get ready um, get ready to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And so as soon as they got back to Jerusalem out of bondage, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says that they never celebrated it like that before in the history. Again, in the history uh, of the Israel lineage. Uh, but the, the third thing uh, that had happened during the Feast of the Tabernacle can be found in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 5, verse 3. And this is where I want to spend a lot of time. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 3. I want to read this in the New Living Translation. It says that, So all the men of Israel, they assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters, which is held in autumn. Again, so all men of Israel, assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters which is laid uh, which is held in early autumn this king was king solomon and the main verse that i had read today it was this that was laid on my heart a week or so ago actually a couple weeks ago as i was thinking about this pandemic it reminded me of the feast of tabernacles why did it remind me of the Feast of Tabernacles? And I'm, I'm going to be honest, the, the main reason is because I think the common theme right now in every household is that everybody is gaining weight. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. I've gained a few pounds. Maybe a couple people in my family, maybe you've gained a few pounds. 
But this COVID-19 has been a time of feasting for most people. We've gotten our stimulus checks. We've gotten our unemployment. And so now we're just sitting at home and we're feasting and gaining weight. And so it reminded me of the Feast of the Tabernacles because we're feasting. But, but, but the main reason is because people have lost their job and have been put in a position to totally depend upon God for their provision, which was one of the purposes of the Feast of the Tabernacle. Some individuals, and I'm sorry that it has happened, have lost their job. And unless they depend on God, they will not be provided for. But also, things that we have taken for granted, things that we were not necessarily thankful for, people are now giving thanks. I mean, schools, we had taken them for granted. But now I bet when your kids go back to school, you have more respect for that teacher. You have more respect for that principle. We have respect now and we give thanks for what the school system does and how they teach and mature our kids. Even church, we never thought we would not be able to go to church in a free country. But now we are more thankful than ever for the church and what it does for us and how we gather together as a body. My wife even said vacations. She's thankful for vacations, even though she hasn't been on one, because no one is able to go on vacations right now. And so when this time is up, I bet you the resorts and everything, they're probably going to be jammed, packed, packed. But again, this COVID-19, it reminded me of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was today's first. It was during the Feast of Tabernacles that that verse come from. Again, I want to read it to you one more time. It says, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, that fire had come down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices and the glory of the Lord, it filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, it says they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and they worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. That's today's verse. That's today's verse. And it comes from a time where they were celebrating the feast of the tabernacle. I want to ask you, why did God respond the way he did to this verse? Why do we find at this time that God's presence was magnified? And it's only been a couple of the times in the Bible where we see God showed his presence and his glory like he did in this verse. What did the children of Israel do? What did God's children do to cause him to show up? in this manner. And that's what I want to talk about right now. And there were two things they did. And the first was this. They had a pure motive to build the temple. First Chronicles 22 verse seven, it reads in the new living translation, David, King David was speaking. He said, my son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God. 
Again, look, it says, my son, speaking to Solomon, David said, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God. Right now, we're going through a building project. But Refuge family, I want you to take this question seriously. Why do you want us to build a temple? Why do you want us to build a church? Why does the refuge need a church? I want you to think about that right now. Is it because we don't we just don't have a building and we need one? Is that the case? Because they didn't have one in the Old Testament for quite some time. Is it is it because we just need more room? We're we're growing and we want to make sure that we have exactly. enough exactly. room for those newcomers and those people that we are expecting to come to the refuge church. Is is that why we're building another church? Or maybe it could be a prideful reason. We want to we want to prove to some outsiders and prove to some other churches that when we build a new church, it it'll make them believe that God is with us and and that his favor and his provision is with us. Why do you want us to build a church? Why do you want a church? I ask you that question. Because that was any of these reasons was not the reason that David wanted to build a temple. It said that he wanted to build the temple to honor the name of the Lord. Come on, I, I need somebody to understand this right now. Did it ever cross your mind that let's build a temple to honor God's name? See, when we get our motive right and we get our motive pure, listen, you don't have to worry about how we're going to build this church and how it's all going to come together. But Refuge, I want to challenge you right now that you would change your motive on wanting us to have a church and change it to this, that we want to honor the name of the Lord in the city of Rock Island. Listen, that's the reason we want to build the church. We want God's name to be honored. We want his name to be lifted up. We want his name to be glorified. Yes, we need more room. Yes, we need a building. But that's not the reason we want to build the church. We want to build the church to honor his name. And when you do that, God, he'll pull all the resources together. He'll pull it all together. But but I want you to think about what the temple was made for. Why was the temple built? What was the temple for? Because if we're honest with ourselves, it, it wasn't to have church. So many times I, I, I've compared the church of the New Testament to the temple of the Old Testament. And I've come to the conclusion that I was wrong. These two are not the same. Because the church in the New Testament, we come, we come to sing, we come to hear preaching, we come to hear preaching, we come to hear singing. A lot of times we come to church to receive, to receive, to receive. But when you look at the temple in the Old Testament, everything about that temple was sacrifice. I mean, you think about the altar that was built. It was a sacrifice. The laver of water. It was so the priests could wash their hands after they got done cutting the throats of animals. 
doves, ox, goats. I mean, a majority of everything in the temple in the Old Testament, it was so that they were able to sacrifice unto God. And so I want to ask you right now, do we want to build this church? The church that we've, you've seen the blueprints, you've seen the plans, but do we want to build this church so that we can sacrifice to God? Or do we want to build this church just so we can go hear some more preaching? Do we want to hear, do we want to build this church so we can receive some more worship? See, the purpose of the temple in the Old Testament, it was all about sacrifice. They built something specifically to sacrifice. They set up a system because they loved God so much. They, David wanted a temple where they can specifically sacrifice unto God, where the end of the temple, it would lead to the room, the holies of holies, where God, he would pour out his spirit and he would show up. Again, the first reason that God showed up the way they did is because they had a pure motive. They had a pure motive and they set up a system, a temple, where they could sacrifice unto God, where they could continually give to God for generation after generation. But secondly, as I get ready to close, 2 Chronicles 5 and 6, it gives us our second reason. It said, says also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel. It says they were assembled unto him before the ark. And it says they sacrificed sheep and oxen. Here's the key part, which could not be told for the numbered, it could not be told nor numbered for the multitude. Not only did they have the right motive, but it was because they sacrificed so greatly. Bible says that Solomon and the children of God, they sacrificed so many animals. It says that the multitude could not be told. It couldn't be counted. I believe that God, he has laid this upon my heart. That we as the refuge church, we need to change our motive. Because if I'm honest with you, it didn't cross my mind to build a church to honor the name of God. That wasn't the primary reason. But he says, listen, you need to build this church to honor me. And then when you get to the church, you need to sacrifice. Pastor, he said in last Thursday's message that throughout the remainder of the month of May, that we're going to be taking sacrifices for our church building. And as you are with your family right now, I think this would be a great time for you to talk with your family and ask, are we able to sacrifice? Listen, you're not sacrificing for the pastor. You're not even sacrificing for the people who will visit this church and become members of this church in the future. You're sacrificing for the name of the Lord. I want to challenge the Refuge Church that over these next few weeks, that we consider the reason we're giving unto this church. That we consider the reason why we're giving to the building fund. 
Because when your motive is to honor the name of God, God will open up doors that you would have never imagined. He will open up doors and this church will be built before we ever knew it, before we ever thought. And so I want to challenge this church. Right now, you can pray with your families. What is your motive? And after the motive is correct, are you willing to sacrifice? Because those people gave so much in their, in their animal offerings that the number, it could not be told. And so I challenge you right now, as we close this out in prayer, ask God to search your heart. To search your heart. Ask him if he wants you to give in this last effort as we end this three-year giving campaign of Faith Forward. Ask him what does he want you to give and see what he says until you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Father, that you care enough about us that, God, you would help us build a temple. You would allow us to continue to grow as a people, Lord God, that we would need a temple. But I would pray that in this place, Lord, Lord, that you would give us the right motives. Give us the right heart. God, that we would give not for some, some other reason other than, Lord, honoring your name. We at the Refuge Church want to bring honor and we want to bring glory unto your name because you truly are worthy. And so right now, Lord God, I pray that you would stir up the hearts of the Refuge Church. Stir up our hearts, Lord God, and even those people who may be connected to us. Stir up the hearts, oh God, of our people that we may have the right motives, God, that we may be pure in our hearts, Lord, and that we will be willing to set up a system, to set up a church, Lord God, not just for us to tend, but for us to sacrifice that, Lord. I pray that we, as I end this message, God, that these family members would continue to talk one with another, Lord God, about what they are able to do, Lord God, and their motives and their reasons for wanting a church and giving unto the church. I pray, Lord, that you will order our steps. I pray, Father, that people will have dreams. I pray that people will have visions of what you want us to do and what you want us to give as we finish up, Lord God, faith forward. I pray that your favor would be upon us, Lord, and that we would continue to grow in your mercy and in your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray right now. And I want you to keep praying with your families. I want you to keep uh, praying right now and ask God to speak to you and to speak to your family members about how you can participate in this building fund as we ended in May. God bless you all. Hallelujah.